everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux, writers of Bob's Burgers, among other things. And Wendy is someone that I went to college with. This podcast is long overdue. Yeah. I'm glad that we're finally making it happen. Sound a little less excited, please. I remember back in college when we'd be like, if podcasts ever exist, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have you on. It's something you would say to me. Right. And it was probably confusing to you, but also exciting. Yeah. But that's, I mean, if if I sound not as excited, it's just I'm mad, you know, because you said you would have me on an imaginary thing in college and then it took a while. But, But I... But I made true on the promise. Yes. Now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> First podcast had to exist. Right. And then we had to figure out after you hit subscribe, why is it like, where do I get it? Because yeah. I remember for you, there were, there were years of, okay, what is a podcast and where do I get it? Yeah, How yeah, do yeah. I get it? How do I listen? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but here we are. Here finally. we are. I know. All I the know. promises we made each other in college yeah. are complete. I feel a sense of, um, sense of, be- it's. I feel it's wistful because yeah. it's like, now what? Yeah. Now what do we do? Now we make each other a promise about another imaginary technology okay. and 20 years from now we do that. I, I have a pitch. If okay. neither one of you are married, Good. by the oh. time you're 30, okay. you marry each other. This is great. So you I have love it. like 10 years and we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Lizzie. You're welcome. Did you guys have those like if I'm not married by this certain age I will marry my friend who I don't have romantic feelings for did you have an arrangement like that no Mm-mm, I didn't I got in right well not I didn't get married before 30 I'm not even married yet but I <laughs> no, I was gonna be like what are you talking about <laughs> I started dating my fiance when I was like 29 so I think I didn't get to the the girl age of like oh no Mm -hmm. even though i don't really think that's true but i feel like people make you feel that way maybe sometimes right i'm getting really deep about society and how they pressure women to get married but that's your thing right that is my thing (laughs) (laughs) so my thing (laughs) i am i'm concerned the listeners are going to be like wait which one is lizzie and which one is wendy so even though we did that a second ago can you identify yourselves again Okay, I'm Wendy. Okay. And I'm Lizzie. Perfect. I sound permanently stuffed up because I have some sort of intractable allergies this season. And Rag. so I just, I know, right? I've, <laughs> I just have better allergies than everybody else <laughs> or more consistent allergies, I guess, but they will not go away. So I sound stuffed up at all times, which is very, very fun. Perfect. Yeah. That is an snapped. easy identifier. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, so... As tempting as it is to just talk about college, and as mm-hmm. fun as that would be for Lizzie and the listeners. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. I'm just going to sit back. Let's um, talk about how you guys both got imbo- involved with Bob's Burgers. Okay. Well, so we started working together, actually, when I was in college. I was living in LA. I did an internship over the summer um, at a production company, and um they had me pitch some ideas for a feature and uh, long story short, they liked something I came up with and I told Wendy and she said, well, you should try to write it yourself if they like that idea. So she helped me sort of learn how to do like a, a treatment and then we worked on that script together and we decided we liked working together. And then many years later, 
we got to go meet on Bob's Burgers, and that was our yeah. first staff job, TV yeah. job. I was uh, at the time when uh, Lizzie and I started working together. I was working on Megan Mullally had a very um, short lived talk show, and I was writing on that. And I sort of knew that that was not long for the world. And um, so when Lizzie and I did this kind of fun side thing together, it was like, oh, let's do this. Like, this is really fun because talk shows are very, very hard. Mm -hmm. We would tape like six shows a week and the hours were insane. Not to complain. I said, it's still a good job to get. Any any job writing on any television show is a good job to get. Um, but that, yeah, then there was a little bit of a lull in between. Well, oh, there. See, I'm not supposed to sniff on the microphone, but I'm going to do it, listeners, because no, I can't help it. I believe my exact words were, please <laughs> sniffle into the microphone. Listeners love that. And also, yeah. they love when you chew into a microphone. I'm not going to chew anything. Okay. I have a huge turkey. Just to paint the picture, I have a huge turkey leg <laughs> sitting right here next <laughs> to me, but I'm going to resist yeah. it the whole time just for the listeners. That's so You thoughtful. drove all the way to the Ren Fair. <laughs> I drove to the Ren Fair. <laughs> Anytime I'm doing a podcast, and this is just like a superstitious ritual, <laughs> I drive to a run fair i get a turkey leg <laughs> i talk to a wench then yeah. i get in my car and i drive to the podcast mm -hmm. and then i usually eat the turkey leg during the podcast but for your podcast i'm not going to right. because we're Thanks. all friends but you've won every podcast you've been on so it's worth every goddamn one of them <laughs> so it's fine yeah um yeah so then we we started writing together we wrote like a, a movie script together which i think is what everyone does first maybe is right because like i think when you're young you read in the trades you're like this person sold a movie for a million dollars you're like well let's just do that that sounds like a great <laughs> plan then we won't ever have to do anything else so we wrote a couple movie scripts together and then eventually sort of pieced together doing some i mean it, it's a process you know we did a couple movie scripts that didn't really go anywhere and then we um wrote a couple of um, TV specs. And one of those was the thing that I think got read at Bob's Burgers by the people who were hiring. And then we went in for an interview and then we got hired, which we could not believe. What was the spec? Um, it was, uh, I think it was this script that we wrote called Renegade Outlaw Ladies with oh, Nothing to right. Lose. And it was really <laughs> just about like three suburban women trying to buy pot. This was before pot was really like oh you could just like get it at ralph's or whatever <laughs> so it you know that was that was that and we wrote that one i, I think it was going to be like someone wanted to do some webisodes of it or something mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of wrote it not thinking like oh this will be the thing that gets us a job that lasts for eight years but i mean i think that's kind of the thing with entertainment you're kind of you have to keep throwing stuff at the wall yeah. until something sticks there were like a lot of little steps along the way that helped like we got a script on blacklist and that helped yeah. like get us just like general meetings where people had at least read something we'd written and we could go in and talk to them and explain the blacklist for my listeners who might not know what that well, is. It's a show on NBC. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, the, it's, it's not the one with the lady in a bag. It's the other one. Yeah. It's um, with the guy and he's got a list. He's got a That's list. That's all you need to know. He wears a hat. <laughs> um, no, the blacklist is a yearly list put out by, I think it was started by this guy, Franklin Leonard of scripts that were floating around that people liked that, we're not getting produced yet. And yes. so and our script sold, wound up yeah. on that. Um, and, um, it yeah. still hasn't sold. If anyone's out there who wants that mom. script. Yeah, our mom is trying to put together some money to buy it from us. <laughs> we'll um, give you a deal. Yes, but it traditionally getting you on that list at least kind of gets you in the door a few right. places. And so we, we had a lot, a lot, a lot of general meetings where you go and you drink a water and you sit on the couch and you talk about how you guys started writing. Right. And then... So yeah, there's a happens. lot of there were steps along the way that got us to be in the room to go on a meeting for staffing for Bob's, but it was you know it was over a couple of years, so it wasn't. Yeah, I have talked at length, probably too much, about my feelings about gen my 
not good feelings about general meetings. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And my general, no pun, sense that I just don't like, what am I doing here? And what am I, I don't know what I'm doing exactly in a general meeting. How yeah. is it for, uh, in a writing general meeting? Uh, well, same, I mean, same. I think at first, the the first round we did, I, was, I thought every single time we went, I was like, wow, we're going to get a job. Mm-hmm. Like, this is exciting. Like, something's going to come of this. And then a few in, I think we started to realize like, oh, these are just to like get to know us and, you know, just a general meeting. Um, so oh, then it's right in the name. It yes. really is. <laughs> I think when we didn't, you know, we weren't working then on anything. So it was a little maybe frustrating just because you wanted to get something to come out of them. Um, I think now that we've been on Bob's for a while, I sort of enjoy them more because yeah. it's like a relaxing. You just go and talk about TV. We already have like, a job. We're not desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> we're I not think, sweaty, desperate people right. who need to give us jobs. So I think it just depends on yeah. where you are. I think it, it is hard when we, you know, initially going, we hadn't gone to anything as writers. We hadn't had people like reach out to us. So it was so exciting. And, yeah. And I do think there's a certain kind of, um, karate kid element to all of this like where like you know in karate kid he doesn't know why he has to do all these exercises <laughs> but i do think like when i tra- trace it back we've uh the last couple of years we've had a little bit better luck in features and one of the things that happened is we got hired to write um and it was uh i guess i can say this because it was in the in the trades um a female version of uh the 21 jump street movies the f- the female version of the franchise and the producer who was sort of directly responsible for us getting hired there eight or 10 years ago, we had a general with her. And then we went in and pitched on this movie that never went anywhere. And I think we went in and had to pitch it and repitch it and repitch it. I think it was five or six meetings. Yeah, it was and a it lot. And it seems pointless. It seems pointless. But then you, you know, cut to uh, whatever, seven or eight years mm-hmm. later. And when we get in the room to pitch the Jump Street thing, she kind of knows us already. We'd had a general. We'd already pitched something else that went nowhere. But we already had that relationship. So I think it's very easy to get frustrated and go like, why am I doing this? Why do I drive to this thing and drink the water and talk to the people? But all of that kind of adds up. Eventually, maybe there'll be an opportunity where at least there's some familiarity with you. They know you're not a crazy person. They already think you're kind of funny. And then the right thing comes at the right time. And then you get that job. Um, And also, you know, having been on a TV show for a long time, I don't think we would have gotten that job without having, you know, so it all just kind of adds up. And I think that's the thing in the entertainment industry. You don't totally know where it's all going. And then hopefully at some point it coalesces into something that results in like you actually getting to write something and actually getting a paycheck. But it takes a while. See, I think I've done my... I've certainly not done myself a service, potentially a disservice by kind of grumbling about general meetings publicly so much, lest oh, anyone I'm- be listening. So my question for you guys, you you, ha- you guys have great jobs right now. So I imagine yes. your attitude mm-hmm. about the entertainment industry is not as sour as it could be if you were frustrated. Totally. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Have you had periods, though, where you felt frustrated? Um, I think so, yeah, because I was um, – Lizzie and I have a significant age gap. Um. 55 years. 55 years between us. Our mother had a baby at age three and age 58. Yeah. Um, So we're very far apart. But um, (laughs) I think I was a little bit frustrated. um, Yeah, in the run up to getting uh, my first job, which was the job on that talk show. I think because, you know, at that point, I'd been at it for, I think, how long was that that I'd been trying? You know, seven or eight years. 
of doing various things mm -hmm. and sort of feeling like it wasn't so I still enjoyed it. Like I was writing promo and I was doing improv and doing all that stuff. But I did sort of go like, oh, I see the train is about to just pass me by and it will nothing will ever happen. And I'll have this nice job in promotions and <laughs> I will have a happy life, but it will have passed me by. Mm -hmm. And then things started to sort of click into place. So I think I was more like wistful than frustrated because I didn't necessarily feel entitled to have it. I just felt like, oh shit, there goes that boat. Yeah. I'm not on that boat. Bye boat. Like it was kind of like that. And then like some stuff started happening. I don't know. How about you, Liz? Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't working that long before I got on Bob, so I'm extremely lucky in that um, circumstance. Um, but I do think, I mean, there have also been periods of time, I think it depends on what we're working on. I think we'd, you know, been on Bob's for a couple years, and then when we'd still go on feature meetings, sometimes it would be, you know, I feel like people don't really trust if you can write something for them yeah. or not. Like, there's yeah. still always, no matter, I feel like, how high you feel like you're moving up, they'll always be meetings or people you meet or or jobs that like you just you don't get or someone doesn't think you're right for or they don't like your writing style so I think that can always still be frustrating um or if you put in a lot of work to something and then you don't get the job I think that's always hard but um I think you know it's just always good to we try to keep a good perspective of like it's great that we're getting the opportunities and if they don't pan out they don't pan out but you know I of course I think it's always it's easy to get frustrated I think with anything you do if you're not getting the thing you want mm -hmm. so but luckily we have bobs and that's been so great and so we always have like a wonderful steady thing that we enjoy so much yeah that was lucky that the, that the show went. yes yes and has now it's eighth season right well yeah the eighth we're writing the eighth season right now and the eighth season will the, we have so many like We've been on this weird production track, so there's a bunch of holdover episodes from season seven that will air as season eight. Mm -hmm. So technically, we just started writing season eight, but a lot of season eight is already written. The season eight for air is different than the season eight we write. It makes right. no sense. Yeah. But can, yeah, I get technically we're we'll go into the eighth season, and then I think have some uh, episodes left over after that. Um, is animation something that you both were drawn to before? I know Wendy, you had written an animated pilot. Yeah, I did. Um, but I don't think I don't think we were both like you know where what we have to work in animation. <laughs> but I do think it's been this amazing fit for us because the just the lifestyle of the animation writer is a little different. You work from like ten to six thirty every day, and then also it's a really with Bob's especially a nice mix of grounded because Bob's you could almost do live. But then you can do a little more fantastical than live action. And I, it's funny because like animation has some great things about it. Like our show has kids, but they're all played by adults. Lizzie and I did a pilot with kids. We had to cast five kids in it. And that is a whole different logistical nightmare because they all have to, they can only work a certain number mm -hmm. of days. And then you also kind of worry like about like some of the kids that came into audition were just so nervous. And it was like, oh my God, take this kid out of the entertainment industry <laughs> immediately is not something we ever have to think about on Bob's. You know, right. it just has certain yeah. like great cushy aspects to it that like if you can work in animation, I recommend. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me, I did... I've I've always been drawn to animation. I love The Simpsons. I mean, I feel like that's my one of my favorite shows. I grew up on it, and I love Futurama, and I was, you know, very into South Park. And so I'm I'm not shocked that I ended up. I I'm feel like really lucky and glad because I do think it's such a fun world, and um, there's something 
I don't know. There's something just light and like fun about working in it because like when he was saying, you don't have a lot of the complications that you do with any show that has real people in it is that people get older and the it's hard to it's hard to keep storylines going no matter what but mm. when your characters don't age that really really helps because then you don't have to be like okay well now louise is going to college so like what's <laughs> louise's college life gonna be like let's figure that out you know you just you keep it in the same space so i think um it's it's good as fun yeah okay um what is the actual process of working on it like um, the actual process for the writers, I mean, each episode, I think from table read to air is about 49 weeks. So, I mean, almost a full year from when you table read it. And even before that, you're coming up with the idea. So so for us, it's like you pitch the idea to Lauren. Um, he signs off on a basic idea. And then you take the idea to the writer's room. And um, the story gets broken with other writers, which is fun. And then you kind of go off on your own and do an outline you come back in and get some notes on that. And then um, once Lauren signed off on a full outline, then you go off by yourselves for a week um, and write um, and then bring a draft back in that goes back into the writer's room to be kind of dissected and get alternate jokes in it and all of that stuff. And then it moves into um, the table read in front of the network executives and stuff. We get notes from there. And then right. And it- then once that starts, then you're more on the I guess, more production end of it all because you do the table read, you get notes, and then you do those, you do the record. Yeah, first um, thing we do is record it. Yeah, um, and so then you get all of that. You edit it down to a reasonable amount of time, not exactly the show length. It can be a little over. Um, and then that's when you start launching into like the very basic animated versions of it. So first you have a thematic, which is just like the most basic – the characters just look like little thumbs, and yeah. uh, it's just to sort of block it's an out adorable version <laughs> yes, of the right. show. But but that's block... why it's called a thematic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's just sort of figure out like where the camera will be and how people are going to move, and then you get to the animatic stage, which is like the rough black and white, um, and those we screen um, with everybody at work, and so we you know sit with the writers after them and do more notes and more rewriting, and then you get the color version back. Um, and again, we screen that and do more rewriting. Um, and then from there, you go into like sort of the last steps of like mixing and music and um, locking picture and all of that. So it, it's a really – it's a long process. When you get stuff back, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I right, forgot we what, have an episode like coming when in. When I hear people like who are, who are doing live action, it's like, oh, they start shooting – they like shoot in June and then that episode goes up in September. Like part of my brain is like, how's that possible? Like, don't you need to like correct how the character's arms move around? <laughs> like, he was like, no, that's a person. They move to their arms around for themselves. Does it ever happen given the time in between writing it and airing that you need to change something? Oh, yeah. It gets changed in every single step. And we had like our first episode that we ever wrote got completely blown up and we had to rewrite like basically a new episode that kind of stuff rarely happens um we uh the first episode lizzie and i wrote which was called art crawl um the first version of it um got torpedoed because it was early in the show's existence and people didn't quite know what it was what the show was yet and a couple of the storylines it it table read fine and then the animatic came in and the network was like no we don't like these two storylines so we had to basically write an entirely new episode and reanimate that before it ever shipped out to color that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore um because now everyone knows what the show is and it's easy to get close to the target but we were this was our 
first year on yeah. a show. So you could imagine the terror. Like we were right. like, so what happens now? We get fired? Like, but in a way, like, I think, you know, it was about the storylines. It wasn't like, oh, the writing is bad. Mm-hmm. It was the storyline. So we had to fix that. Now it's more like, oh, that character's mouth disappeared for a second while they were talking. Um, although occasionally we'll get like sort of like the B story didn't quite work. So we'll go in and strategically change the jokes or change the storyline a little bit between... I, I was wondering about stuff like, and this is, I wish I had a more relevant, better example, but like, uh, oh, 9-11 happened. So this is no longer an okay joke. Oh, yeah. not as much. I mean, the the advantage we have is that every joke we see like for so many months. So if something, obviously, if some you made a joke and in some way that would now be offensive or like that individual passed away or something like that we can usually change that Mm -hmm. and you have up until like really like two weeks before or something where you can make a major change on like a joke and we could get the line done and then we can have you know the in-house artists fix it and stuff like that that doesn't happen all that often just because we have so much time and i feel like a lot of our humor on the show is not not current Yeah. yeah So we sort of treat it like there's a lot of like 70s and 80s references. So yeah. and just wall to wall 9/11 jokes because it already <laughs> happened. It already happened. Right. So we know Fair it's not going to happen again. But th- I do remember one thing was that there was a Thanksgiving <laughs> song every every year. Lizzie and I wrote four Thanksgiving episodes. It was four, right? Yeah. And the fourth one we wrote, Linda always sings like a little song in it, and she sang a little song. And then we always do a big thing with the song, like the National has mm-hmm. re-recorded it, and then we do a video and stuff. But the one year she sang. <laughs> It's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving for everybody, except for Europeans. And then right before it was going to air was the the bombing thing at the Belgian airport. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that sounded like we were saying, like, everyone's happy except Europeans. And so it, like, I think that stayed in the show, but they didn't do the big thing afterwards because it suddenly changed the context of this thing that's completely innocuous, totally unrelated. But I have a feeling that happens to every show, like live shows. I know sometimes they've had to pull episodes at the last minute because something that it still doesn't apply to the situation at hand, but you can't do it that way right. or whatever. Right. That probably happens more to like Law and Order SUV than to cartoons. <laughs> Ooh, but- SUV. Oh, shit. That's right. I got even another become, one. I I've officially totally called you old, out. No, I've become an old person. Like I say stuff like Law and Order SUV or like mispronounce a celebrity's name. I'm just... Steinfeld. Li- yeah, this, yeah, this Seinfeld. year I've like crossed over some Rubicon. And I know. No, I feel back. like I do that all the time too. It's yeah. Just like, it's a fun family trait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's but a- also there's been so many Law and Orders. They might do Law and Order SUV. We don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what would it be? be? Would just it just be them solving crimes? crimes? that in took an, place in, in or near an SUV. Maybe. Yeah, like, oh my God, a minivan raped me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's good. That'd guys. be SUV, SVU. Yeah, that's SUV, SVU. Yes. It's a sex crime right. committed by... By a car that's larger than a typical sedan. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell that by the, like, the wheel prints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this... This is a this great is a good idea, tangent. Yes. Definitely don't edit this out. This <laughs> oh, we won't. I know. <laughs> yeah. So it's a promise to you. Um, I had a question. It was right there. It was, there's a fair amount of improvisation, yes. right? Mm-hmm. As writers, how do you feel about that? Great. Good. It's awesome. I mean, the way we record the show is already a lot 
more improv based than other anime shows. Some yeah, I was surprised to hear that it's generally it's recorded live, basically. Right? Yeah, everybody's yeah. in the well. By saying everybody's in the same room, half the cast lives in New York or Massachusetts, and so they're recording over an ICN line. If, if that's what's still the current technology, um, so they're they're there, and our cast is here in LA. But everyone, we try as much as humanly possible to have them record together because they're so fun. I mean, it's like. I don't, there's some writers who don't want actors to improvise and it's like, oh, okay, well, we only have like five of the funniest people in the world. <laughs> Let's definitely make sure we don't let them say anything. Like, you know, like that attitude mm-hmm. is so weird to me because it adds so much to Bob's and we get them all together because they all know each other. I think they knew each other before the show started too. And so there's like so much interplay and like just years and decades of history yeah. that they give each other shit. And, and like, it, it changes even just the way like a regular scene even if they don't improv a ton um on what you have written there it's just the way that they interact with each other that's so much more natural and just yeah. like little things like i feel like we've had literally like a, a voice actor like stumble in a sentence and then someone call them out for like not being able to speak correctly and then that that goes on a little tangent and then that ends up in just because it you feel like you're really with people who are actually interacting with each other which i think is makes it a a different type of animated show because it's not just like line 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 you sort of feel like they really are together they're family so i think it helps with that whole feeling that you get when you watch are there anything is there anything (laughs) i like the suspense though i know right are there anything Is there anything that you've written where the people who animate it are like, oh, this is like you're making this is so difficult for us? Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes, we did um, an episode where Bob and uh, Fishoda are tied up under the pier for most of the episode. It's a two part and um, the water is coming in and they're, you know, you think they're going to drown. So there's a ton of just water tide rising um waves all of that is extremely difficult yeah, apparently animate. it's difficult i don't think we knew that while we were writing it yeah. but then afterwards you like hear how horrible that is <laughs> so that was definitely one i remember then, just working on that everyone was like oh, okay like, it, like also, it was just like the water's still not looking quite right and sorry that we did this also one of the um uh, Dawn of the Peck, which was one of our Thanksgiving episodes, involves like it's a zombie movie essentially, but with turkeys, um, geese, and ducks. We're, did we wind up having geese and ducks as well? I think it was, it was just turkeys. Um, it, it's mostly turkeys. Like, so there were like hundreds of turkeys that had to be drawn and rendered into the episode. And that one was apparently a nightmare. Yeah. Animals, um, I think, I can be pretty tricky to, yeah. to get right. So. And yeah. the, I think I feel like the artists love you if it's an episode that's like a bottle episode set in the restaurant and house. <laughs> like that is like, yeah. it's just the <laughs> best because there's no new backgrounds. No, usually that means it's mostly the family, so there's not a lot of new characters. Mm-hmm. It's when like like Bob and Linda this um, season went to a LARP that was essentially at like a Downton Abbey, so they had to draw like a manor house and then all the interiors of a manor house. Plus, they were with all strangers. So that's like 20 new characters that have to be created and and brought to life. So those are the ones where you feel like the artists are like really being put to the test. And it's like, sorry, but we can't always keep them in the restaurant and house. I was reading that the look of the show changed a little bit from the pilot or from the initial concept to what airs. Yes. Um, you can watch, I think, the presentations online. Yeah. But um, the original 
character designer is Jay Howell, who's an artist. Um, I think he's based in San Francisco. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and his his work is amazing. I have one of his paintings, not to brag. Brag. Um, <laughs> not to brag. Not to brag. You're clearly brag. But I purchased something <laughs> once. Um, <laughs> but the characters, they looked, I mean, essentially, they're the same, like their hairstyle and their color, you know, the color of their clothing and all of that. But they had really like crazier faces and long noses, noses were longer. and more exaggerated bodies. Um, and that was sort of reflected in the rest of like the backgrounds and yeah. all of that. So I think that got put into a little bit more of a network animation Filter. look. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was more independent looking and now it looks more like it lives on Fox. Yes. But still different, I think. Yes. And uh, then also Tina was a boy originally mm-hmm. um, named Daniel. And that was, it's of course, voiced by Dan Mintz. And they just kept the voice and changed it to Tina. And then Tina became this breakout character. So it was like this, yeah. this situation where, you know, the network gave a note that wound up being – and it also, well, there's so many changes. Originally, the family was going to be cannibals. I heard that. So yes. that's another change. That's but that didn't change. make it to the presentation. But it did morph into the storyline of the pilot where Louise lies to her class and says the family makes their meat from the bodies at Mort's next door. So in a, in a way, it all wound up in there. It just kind of morphed into – because that would be a hard thing to sustain on a network like Fox that it's just like a family of cannibals probably – by episode 96, you'd be like, well, who could they eat now? <laughs> like, what would you be pitching on? It's hard to figure out what you'd be pitching on. Yeah. Yeah. You know what you need in a situation like that? Pro flowers. Oh. My go-to flowers. They're fresh, priced right, and are a perfect gift for literally anyone, and they get delivered straight to the recipient's door. How easy is that? It actually is super duper easy. That's very Instead easy. Instead of like being hidden somewhere from right. them. It's yeah. not a scavenger it hunt. There. It's not like, oh, I hid them in a different state, and then there's a series of clues that take you there. It's not that at all. It's direct. Because <laughs> I'm tired of those services. <laughs> I know. That's... I don't have that kind of time or money to you go don't. to another state to pick up my fucking flowers. Right now, Pro Flowers has a special offer just for my listeners. Get $10 off your purchase of $29 or more. So this deal works on best-selling gifts like their 100 Blooms bouquet, a dozen red roses, or even their totally unique plant gifts. I uh, sent my husband some Pro Flowers one time because I was like, he does nice things like sends me flowers. I would like to send him a nice something to his office just to say, hey, I love you. I'm sorry you're stuck at your office all day. So I sent him, uh, he termed it a brocade. That's oh, not what it's actually oh, called. I like but that. It, yeah, yeah, it was a plant. It was just a bunch of beers. <laughs> yeah. And posters of With women. a bow around them. Yeah. Around yeah. it. An aftershave. <laughs> no, it was a plant and he was super excited by it. To snag this great deal, just go to proflowers.com and enter the code Allison Rosen at checkout. Proflowers bouquets are guaranteed fresh for seven days or your money back. And they have a seven step quality check, which means the flowers are always awesome. The website is super easy to use. You can schedule your delivery ahead of time for any date you want and then get back to your day. It's a no brainer gift for a birthday, anniversary, every occasion or even no occasion at all. Do yourself a favor and help out the show by supporting Pro Flowers. I know you have either a birthday or an anniversary coming up. So right now, get $10 off your purchase of $29 or more at Pro Flowers. But this deal definitely won't last long. Just go to proflowers.com and enter the code Allison Rosen at checkout to get the special deal. I'm going to send Lizzie some flowers. Do it. I might. I can't wait. Yeah. Think of the letdown when you realize they're from your sister. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible gift. No, I'm yeah. still... 
Why would that be disappointing? I don't know. Because you'd be like, who's my secret admirer? What kind of sexy adventure am I starting with my life? And then you're like, oh, no, it's my sister. But since you seem to be interested, I'm going to do it. Maybe there's a a pretty good deal. Who knows? Yeah. Let's explore this thing. (laughs) I was going to say, why rule out sexy adventure just because it's from your sister? Exactly. I just feel like it would make our other sisters pretty jealous. If we were to be together. You know what? That'd be a great way to get them inter- interested in us. <laughs> yeah. We oh, send yeah. ourselves flowers. Yeah. And then Ginny and Maggie get super jealous. Yep. And then that's As when they come after us. Know. We're going to be pretty popular at Christmas. Yep. I was going to ask that, given that there's like 49 Molino children that yes. are all your siblings. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm joking. But there is a whole mess of you. Mm-hmm. There's five. How yeah. did it shake out that you are the two who are in entertainment working together? Because... There's other creative Molinos, yes? Yeah. Um, I think a part of, because people are always like, oh, I would fight with my sister. We would get in fights. I, Lizzie and I have, we have an um, eight and a half year gap between us with other siblings in between. From my point of view, and I don't know if this is your point of view, we never had a contentious or um, like competitive relationship. Most of it was kind of like, oh, she's my little sister. I'm going to take her to go see this movie. Or here's this TV show we're going to watch. Um, like entertainment wise. And um, I always thought she was very, very funny and had a great sense of humor. Even when she was like a little, little kid, she would really make me laugh. And so, <coughs> sorry, these allergies are really kicking up, guys. It's okay. And so I think there was never that. If I had to work with my older sister, I think there, I, we might argue about things because it's a lot more loaded, you mm-hmm. know, like because we were only a year and a half apart. So, There was almost like an – even though she's like one of my best friends, there was in school a sort of a more of a a rivalry or whatever. So it would be harder for me to work with her. But with Lizzie, it was more of a friend-sibling relationship. I don't know. Yeah, I think it just – I mean, a lot of it was too, I feel like, was just like – not, not luck. I mean, we right. like grew up together. So it wasn't like, I can't believe we found each other and decided <laughs> to like spend I, time I together. I literally never saw you in the house we lived in together. And then I, I, saw I discovered your writing you. And I posted on <laughs> misconnections. No, I think it was, but it's true. I think like I, what, Wendy and I were close when I was, you know, interning down here that, that summer when I sort of decided like I wanted to work in entertainment. And I think, It just, I think it was one of those things too that we tried without any pressure on it. So I think there was, there wasn't that idea of like, I'm already a writer and I'm going to get a writing partner or work with someone who is also already a writer. And we're, you know, there's this pressure like of this, if this will work or not, I think it was more like, this will be fun and we'll try it. And then it continued to be fun and, and exciting to work together. So I think we just stuck with it. So I think in a way it was, it was just sort of natural and we didn't have that, I think it would be harder, you know, I know people that write individually, I think it would be hard later in your career to say, like, I'm going to work on with, you know, someone on something, because I think then you already have, like, your way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of, yeah, I, for me, especially, I hadn't written anything before. So I, you know, we I learned how to do it with Wendy. So I think it just was natural and easy. Yeah. And I think every family has kind of a baseline sense of humor that almost belongs to the family. Whereas like with someone else, you might constantly be negotiating what you think is funny. And I'm not saying we have the same opinion about everything, but we do have the same opinions about lots of things. And so it's like, and I I think that sense of humor is shared by our sisters and our, and our brother and our, even our parents, you know, like we have, you know, like long standing inside jokes and whatever. So I think in a way, it's just kind of that family either snobbery about what's not funny or like enthusiasm 
enthusiasm about what is and also the same kind of pop cultural lexicon if you grew up in the same house of what you were allowed to watch not allowed to watch what were the popular shows what you know this and that like I remember Lizzie and I went through a Matt Damon period where I took her to see a lot of probably not good for children Matt Damon movies like Talented no, Mr. Ripley. Talented Mr. Ripley scared me a little yeah. but I made it through <laughs> but also I was the youngest so like I watched a lot of things like Lizzie way saw too. some shit guys. I think I, wa- I watched like a few good men with mom and dad I was probably like six. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you say Jenny showed you Silence of the Lambs? Yes. Saw Silence of the Lambs I with my older sister. I still can't watch Silence of the Lambs. I don't, she didn't baby. like put it on for us. I had a sleepover or something, but it uh-huh. was on and she was had no problem with it. But she was like a cool teenager at the time. She yeah. was just like, whatever. Well, Wendy, before you got here, I was saying to Lizzie that my younger sister, uh-oh, I've caught your allergies, <clears throat> uh, four years younger than I am and would come and visit us at Pomona. You probably remember. Yes, I do. Around. And now that I'm an adult, I think she was way too young to be doing all the things that we were too young but she was especially too young who trusted me to take care of her at that point um and it sounds like lizzie you were also exposed to a bunch of stuff pretty young too yeah i mean but and i don't know i feel like now it's interesting um to have that perspective like i was totally fine though i think people i think a lot of parents worry now like maybe a little overly, not to be judgy, but like their kids, they don't want them to see anything that's a little too, you know, maybe a little too scary or sexy or whatever it is. But I, I don't know. I saw a lot and I turned out just, just great. Fine. Just fine. <laughs> no, I think about that because I think um, my son watches Bob's Burgers and he's six. And there's a lot of words on there he shouldn't hear or whatever. But like I'll literally just be like, don't eh. say that one. Don't say that one. Don't say that one. Don't say that at school. And he actually (laughs) doesn't. Well, I do fast forward when it says like vibrators and Mm. stuff like that. Like words that would be very very hard for me to explain. Yeah, There's a lot of steps before you get to what vibrators are. Right. I have no interest in explaining that. (laughs) So I just don't. So, but I mean, he's heard son of a bitch and crap and whatever. And he really truly doesn't say it at school. I've never heard a report back that he's saying at school. I've never heard him say it to a relative or friend. I've never heard him. The only thing he does say around the house, but he didn't know it was a swear, is he got these little cars, this Hot Wheels track for Christmas, and he put a car down it, and he'd go, that's pretty damn good. And he would do it over and over again. And I thought it was so fucking funny that I was like, okay, that is a swear. And he's like, but I really like saying it. And I was like, I know. That's the thing is like swearing is so fun. It really and is. And unless yeah. he's, you know, like telling people to fuck off, I don't care that much if he says damn or crap or whatever i care if he's saying it at school or saying it in situations he shouldn't but he actually follows the rules about it so he hears the and he's fine like that's the thing i think everybody so wants to wrap kids in Mm -hmm. uh you know bubble wrap but i do think it helped like i feel like i saw a lot of good movies and tv shows and i think it you know helped shape like my taste and all that so i'm glad i did like it you know i wasn't just watching like kids shows i was watching monty python and like yeah uh, woody allen movies oh yeah our dad also would show us a lot of not inappropriate like super inappropriate but like yeah woody allen movies which now seems very very back then it was that now is what you would call grooming (laughs) but back then it was fine and um (laughs) the and like monty python and faulty towers and a bunch of other shows that were sort of i think above our pay grade but he was like i think he rather he and our mom would rather be we be watching that than like shitty kids shows i think so Yeah. yeah it was fun 
Lizzie, did you see Wendy Starr in Without a Box, the improv <laughs> troupe from Pomona College? Which, by the way, I still feel was so much funnier than, say, Yale's Purple Crayon. I did. I did. Wow, really stirring up that feud. <laughs> I also, feud. I was probably only like 11, but I did go to Yale and watch the other one. And then I came, I drove one night. My parents didn't know. And then I, I also would go to Wendy's shows and I agree that they were funnier. They were better than Yale's Purple Crayon. Yes. It, they were the Purple Crayon, right? Because suddenly I have a they memory. Were. They came to visit me. Do you remember Weird. the name of one of the guys mm. in the group? Because I believe. No. Harrison. Oh, all right. Ford? Oh no. <laughs> that is so crazy. Um, no, I don't remember. At the time, Harrison, that would have been like a very sexy out there name. Now I feel like everyone's kids are named Harrison. I just have a... Did you have... Maybe it, were you... Did no. you have a thing with him? No. Oh, no, not at liked all. Him, <laughs> no, I didn't. know. Oh. I feel like we all disliked Harrison from the Purple Crayon because... He was an interloper, and their style mm. of improv was the kind where you're like, ooh, look how creative they are. I'm not laughing, though. Oh, see, I have That's almost my memory. no memory of this. My like, memory. As you're talking about it, I know I lived through this, but I have zero, zero memory of it. I feel like that is uh, true of a lot of college. And I look back like, oh, I think I was stoned for a year and a half straight. Right. And you don't remember. Or it's just like what was important to you as a as a college student, maybe – I don't know. Maybe the purple crayon thing just came and went. I was probably obsessed with some like boy I had a crush on or something like that. Well, what's weird to me is my memory is of you saying oh, no. Harrison oh, like, no. in some that kind of sharp like way. <laughs> okay. So it was you then. Because now I'm thinking, it was, it, was it like Rebecca? Me. Was it not you? I it think it was been. you though. Might have been. I loved Without a Box. Oh. You guys were the funniest. I, I literally went to Pomona College because my older sister went there, but that didn't play into it so much as... When she was thinking about going there, I opened the booklet Mm -hmm. and there was a little square. And I even remember if you opened it on the two pages, it was bottom right hand side. It had a little square that said without a box and described the improv group. And I was like, this is where I'm going. Like I am going to this college. This is the thing. And it's so nerdy when I look back at it. And every show likes to make Bob's Burgers has done some really vicious improv group <laughs> jokes. Um, so I mean, I and I get it. But like there was nothing more exciting to me than the notion of being in that group. And that was the whole reason I applied. The whole reason I went there. And then I got it. I was like, this is my mission in life. And actually, in a weird way, like that all worked out. That's fine. That's well, like, you did improv after college and you taught improv too, right? Yeah, yeah. At um, Improv Olympic, which is now called IO West here in Los Angeles, um, is where I went. And I really think it's a great place to go if you want to learn how to write comedy. And I will stand by that forever. And I know UCB is flashier and Groundlings is more of a pipeline to SNL. But I think IOS, if it's still the kind of teaching and, – and I don't hang out there that much anymore because I have three kids and I'm, I don't sleep and I have to work. But um, that kind of teaching, I feel like, was was key to me learning how to be a comedy writer. At that point, did you want to be a comedy writer? I think when I got out of school, um, I think I wanted to be a performer. And so – but I – I quickly realized that the people who really wanted to be performers were much more focused on like they would get their headshots and really be focused on auditions and meeting people and this kind of like the whatever the stepping stones were to being more successful at that I was very bad at it. Um maybe because I'm introverted essentially I don't know what it was but I didn't feel as motivated and the minute I started 
doing writing, I was super motivated. Mm. And it all just seemed to be like, oh, right, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So, you know, it was kind of like a, a little bit of a false start, but I still love performing. Like I still do improv sometimes. I, I love it. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Make all the jokes you want. I still think it's fun. <laughs> and what so. was that first writing thing you did? For me, it was writing for um, McSweeney's, the McSweeney's oh, yeah. Internet Tendency. Yeah, because I was just working at like a basement job at the in, in a basement job. Like that's a thing. You guys know what I mean, right? A basement job. <laughs> yeah, you were building basements, right? <laughs> I, built, I was building basements. No, I was working at the Pantages Theater, and my job happened to be in the basement. And it was, I What'd mean, I'm do? sure I sold group sales tickets. I. I've been called by your ilk. Yes, yes. Um, although I was not like an out call person. I was like a – I was classy. It makes me sound classier. I took the incoming calls um, and arranged group tickets for such shows as The Lion King, Jackie <laughs> Mason when he was at the Wiltern. Um, there was a whole – a family of theaters that I was responsible for, not to brag. But um, – <laughs> And um, yeah, so I had like, all, all I had was like a computer and nothing but free time. So that's what I started doing was writing and submitting to that place, probably too much at first. Um, and got, you know, got my first little byline or whatever. And I was like, now this is what I will do. Like, and, and it turned out to be that is what I wound up doing. So mm -hmm. it just felt like that was a match once I had done it. To go back specifically to writing on the show or actually writing as writing partners, how does that work? What are the mechanics of it? Well, for well, us, our mom writes absolutely. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> so we, we wake get up, the idea and we send it to our mom. Yeah, we wake up and then she'll give us the draft she's done overnight, <laughs> and then um, we'll, we'll just yell read at her it for a while. Yeah, we'll read it and just give some very, very vicious, yeah, critique, nasty. Um, no, we do a lot of our writing um especially now on bob's uh we've done a lot of episodes together and i think we feel very comfortable writing um the, our characters and voice and all that so we usually split up a fair amount of what we write so it's a four act structure so one of us will usually take <clears throat> sorry act one and three and then the other will do act two and four and then when we have a full draft we'll get together for a day and we'll go through and we'll do notes and we'll punch up jokes and we'll fix anything that needs to be fixed up. Um, but I think uh, for outside things, other projects, um, we do split up some of the time just for, I think, efficiency. Like we're at work together all day. If we're working on, uh, you know, a feature at the same time, that's going to be a lot of like nights and weekends. And it's not always easy for us to just be together all night. <laughs> um, so we'll do a fair amount of splitting up, but we do like to sit in the same room, like usually on a weekend and, and work for a couple hours together. Yeah, we're working on right now. We're uh, well, we actually did it. We're doing the rewrite now on um, a video game movie, which is a more complex. Oh, is that um, hot? Was no, that's the the video game movie. We're not allowed to talk no. about oh, it. Oh, sorry. It is top I am secret, sorry. I'm sorry. But it is like, it's just more complicated. Like it's just was like a process to figure out how to make something that is not a story into a story. And so for that one, we spent a lot more time together, like sitting in rooms sort of going like, okay, how do you fucking make this thing become a story that people can emotionally attach to? And so, but but fun, that was fun to do, actually. Like yeah. Tetris. Is it Tetris? It's not, it's not Tetris. It's although not the, Tetris. I feel like that is not far. There probably is a Tetris movie in the works. I feel like... Oh, for sure there's gotta be. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the it's very interesting now. The interest and in, maybe this will not be interesting to you or your listeners at all. But everyone's very interested in any intellectual property. I, I feel like if you're in the industry, you already know that. But if you're outside of it, it's like they will just like want to take any single thing. Like, could has we make existed. a sprite movie? <laughs> Can we make a movie out of petty eggs? Like a- literally anything that petty exists. Eggs? Petty eggs. You know those things you scrape yeah, the dead sure. feet, skin off your feet with? Like anything that already has some awareness in the market is what they want to make a movie of. Yeah. I think it's and just so you hear it's some like weird a stuff. safer bet than like it's something no one's ever heard of. Because I know. it's just a brand or an idea that somebody knows. I know they yeah. think it's a safer bet. Is it yes. really though? It's not always like I think it's the it reflect it's the quality gets reflected. Like Lego is a quality movie. It's not because it's Legos. Mm-hmm. Like had we gone to that with our son and been like this is a piece of shit, we no- would not have then continued to watch every Lego property <laughs> that they have put out. Like we saw Lego Batman like five times in the <laughs> theater, no joke. And so it's like you know, that's, it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's whatever depends. the, yeah, because like there's a Barbie movie in the works. That could be great. That could be terrible. There's just no way of knowing, you know, which way that thing is going to swing until it's out. So there's, they're right to a certain extent. Maybe you'll get a little more interest from kids, particularly in these kids' movies. But if they're bad, their parents are not going to bring them back for a second movie, the second showing of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar thing with even just adapting a book to a, yeah, to a movie I mean you can love the book and just it, it always just comes down to like was this well executed and is this a story that like works on its own even if you didn't have the title behind it or the brand or whatnot I think that's it has to be something that could stand alone even if you stripped out the stuff that is the recognizable thing that is going to get people interested you know right. what, what's really standalone? No, Allison, what is? Blue Apron. Oh, yeah. Perhaps you're familiar with Blue Apron. I am. I am. Uh, it's amazing. It's delicious. It's super easy. They picture this. Okay. I'm not, I don't have a good imagination, but I'm going to try. <laughs> try. Okay. I'll, I'll give you all the details. Okay. Please be specific. You want to make a nice meal. Which meal, Allison? I can't a ni- just, just pick a nice one. one. I know. Well, you're looking no, through. No, but is it breakfast? Is it lunch? Is it dinner? You want to make a nice dinner. A dinner. Right. You're looking through your recipe book. Okay. You find one. You settle on Ugh. it. And you're like, oh, I don't have all the things that this is telling me I need. Right. Now I have to go to the store and I don't know how much to buy. I guess I'll just buy too much of everything. And now you go home and you make it. And Ugh, it's a pirate pe- already. I know. Yeah. And then like, you- and I bought 25 containers of paprika. That's that what I'm right? saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That. Blue Apron takes all the guesswork out of it because Ugh. they send you everything you need to make a great meal and everything's already in the proportions you need. It's fresh. It's delicious. The meal will be super impressive. For example, here's just a couple, God, I hope couple examples, couple oh. meals. There's something like this okay. or this warm smoked trout and asparagus salad. Asparagus. I feel like I said asparagus weird. See, I it would was, have gone cold smoked trout because I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot. Warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons. Spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't These have just, even known to make the lime creamy. Yeah. Blue Apron is perfect for someone like you then because you, yeah. you seem to not know at all what you're doing. Uh-uh, I but, probably wouldn't have even had that recipe book you were talking you about. You don't at even the know well, what once you dinner order, is. Once yeah. you get... No. <laughs> I would have opened a romance novel and tried yes. to make whatever was on that page. That could this have been messy. Better. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. With Blue Apron, though, you get one of my favorite parts. 
because I just like stuff like this. You get a recipe card, which uh, breaks down how to make the meal with pictures and it's heavy card stock. And you'll want to save that for future endeavors. That's great. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. And whether you're someone like Wendy, doesn't know anything about anything. What an or, <laughs> or, you know, pretty good in the kitchen. Yeah. Blue Apron is perfect for you. Either Just way. perfect for you. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Allison. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Allison. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Is it weird that I feel like I would like to come on your show and just do ads sometime for like an hour? I would love that. It is... It literally, that is the, to interact yeah. with their copy, it feels like a real dream. It just feels fun I, to do ads. It's relaxing. It. Yeah. Relaxing. And yeah. It's like, yeah. It takes all the guesswork out of talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the blue apron of talking is <laughs> yeah. reading that <laughs> ad for blue ads. apron. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I wasn't reading any, anything. No, 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 no. You can't. No, no, no. I remember from my you mind. said it all from the top of your head. You but right. you looked at the card before. Like, they prepped you. Yeah. You were ready. That's yes. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it came from your heart. From my soul. Oh and yeah, how that was coming oh, from your heart. If people couldn't tell, just couldn't feel that, then that's crazy. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Let's take some questions that uh, listeners sent in on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> quack quack! Come on, you bang your back. Oh. Woohoo! Did you recognize the voice of the person adding some vocal stylings to that? It's a Bob's Burgers person. Was it Eugene? No. No, was it it's, John Dylan Keith? It Mike was uh, Andy Kindler. Oh, oh, was Andy. With this feminism, now every dog has to be a uh, woman? <laughs> <laughs> I see. I just assumed it was Eugene because I think I remember that you've interviewed him a few times. Is that right? Have I you? was trying. I, I have. Okay. I can't remember if he's been on this podcast or if he was on some of the precursor web shows. Oh, and you just things. had Andy on. I just had Andy yeah. on very okay. recently. He's been on a couple times. I don't times. know why then that didn't occur to me. But well, I don't know. I guess I guess one of our composers because <laughs> yeah, the singing a- to me sounded like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, of course. He probably just composed that for you. Yoshi Yamamoto would like to know, how is it working creatively with family? Do you usually come to a consensus or is one of you more dominating in decisions? Oh, my God. Well, I feel, I feel like, like we maybe talked about, about this. Yeah. I think we usually come to a consensus. I mean, yeah. we, of course, have, like, arguments about certain things occasionally. I mean, I don't think you can work with anyone on anything. Yeah, without... like, I'm always trying to steal Lizzie's man. That's one <laughs> That's thing we true. argue about. She's, yeah. Yeah. I'm a real sleaze that way. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, But then we come to a consensus silly. and I say, yeah. okay. Yeah, she's like, okay, Just, I'll share. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Uh Keith Allen would like to know, are there writing sessions held specifically to come up with the next door storefront, pest control companies, and burgers of the day? Yes. So usually what happens, actually, we I thought we needed to do that today, but I think we already did it, is that when your episode is getting close to airing or locking um, the picture, 
they will come to you. Someone will come to you. <laughs> a man will come to you in the darkness of night. <laughs> yes. And whisper into your ear He'll while you're sleeping. put his hand over your mouth. Don't get scared. <laughs> Don't it's worry. Okay. It's fine. He's just there for a burger of the day. Um, but they'll say, yeah. The, How you frustrating need, that they insist on doing it that. It's so dramatic. You know what, though? It like it makes it still feel fresh. You know what I mean? Because you're never, no matter how many times it happens, you're never ready to be woken in the middle of the night That's by a man true. putting his hand it over your mouth. It keeps all your, yeah, sleeping just terrible which yeah, yeah, is yeah. fantastic yeah, for yeah. creativity right for creativity and for health Just for life and <laughs> yes. health um <laughs> yeah so they, then they'll we, tell you like how many uh burgers of the day depends on how many different days take place within the uh, episode the restaurant. right so you may need five you may need there are some episodes with zero like i think mm-hmm. um there's there's some episodes that take place completely outside the restaurant and then you do get together with like you know four or five other writers and just ask for pitches for burgers of the day the rat vans and the storefronts next door. I thought we would have run out of rat vans a long time ago. Um, but, but usually, yeah, we'll, usually we'll people still seem to come up with them. Find like a new word. Past, a new past, or, a new word. Right. like Or something new will happen yeah. in pop culture that you can use as a pun. Mm-hmm. So that's helpful. Keep making pop culture and history, everyone. Keep existing. Do you have favorite burgers of the day? Oh, this is, this, isn't, is this is Lauren and Jim said they get asked our showrunners get asked this question all the time too. So they've prepped themselves um, as opposed to I don't to, I know like, if I have burgers of the day are hard because a lot of times there's show specific, you know, if it's like a holiday episode or you sometimes we sort of aim them a little bit about what's going on. So it's hard to remember. Oh, I know my favorite one is okay. curry on my wayward bun <laughs> just because. <laughs> It's so stupid to say a wayward bun and it makes it sound really like your bun is like sexual and like yeah. getting out there. And I like, I like that image. So curry on my wayward bun is going to be mine. I don't, oh gosh, I'm terrible. I just, I can't think of, I can think of some, but I don't know what my favorite is. So I'll just That's have okay. to say they're all my favorite. Yeah. Don't choose. The others will get mad. Joe Mulder says, my 11 year old daughter and I never miss Bob's burgers. And we have always wondered this. Intended as a genuine non-snarky question, is there a concerted effort to get at least one poop slash fart slash toilet joke into every Bob's Burgers episode, or is there just randomly at least one in every episode because poop fart toilet jokes are obviously one of the funniest kinds of jokes? Uh, inside gossip here. Oh, sh- oh it's going to I know. I know. In college, Wendy did not enjoy flatulence-based humor. And I have always enjoyed it. So this came up more than once. But Wendy let me know over the course of the very many years that have passed since those dark days, she's had a change of heart. I've had a big change of heart. Do tell. But no, now I love it. Change of fart. Now I love it. Yeah, change of fart. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like it in college. I don't know why. I I also was one of those people briefly, though, who was like, I don't have a television. I mean, yeah. Mm. When you look back at yourself, I just recently went through all my like college stuff. It was in boxes. And I mean, literally stuff I had packed away 20 years ago. That's what like how much of a pack rat slash uninterested in cleaning I am. (laughs) But I like got an organizer to help me organize my life. And I had to go through these boxes and I looked at some of the things I'd written and I was like, Oh God, like how did I have a single friend? Because you're just, I mean, mo- some people are like better than I was at that age, but I think I was really pretentious and, you know, did do the whole like, I don't have a TV. I would, you know, that kind of person. And oh, um, but yeah, I was not that into fart jokes, but I will say for the show, there's not a quota or anything, but no, there's just I think no actually, way we don't wind up with one. We always have at least one. I think sometimes 
it's the opposite. Like we'll have to reel it back a little bit. Like yes. we've had like six diarrhea jokes, like in this script, we should probably take like two out. So I think we just all lean that way. And also though, I will say, you know, if you have kids in a show, if you want them to mirror kids in real life, like I don't think a day goes by. I have three kids, but only old, the oldest one is of a talking age. Uh, he likes to say fart like I used to say like okay just say fart a hundred times and then we're done for the day because he wants to say fart but toilet <laughs> um, poop etc he would say it all day I mean it would be Same. nonstop. so yeah so I yeah. think that's realistic for the world of children too and yeah just everyone it's good yeah. you gotta get it out there Dork and Mindy says, "Oh, and then you answer this a little bit. Do you have kids? And if so, are any episodes or bits based on real life experiences in parenting?" Hmm. Uh, ooh, I don't think I. I have a uh, nine-year-old, soon-to-be stepdaughter, um, who watches the show. I'm trying to think if anything is based specifically. I think for me, a lot of the kids kid parent stories are somewhat based on like my childhood mm -hmm. a little bit more mm -hmm. than I think a parenting angle um although I feel like I connect more with Linda after now being <laughs> in charge of a child like where I'm just like you know just that crazy like love of your family but then also being like it's it's time for wine and like <laughs> go to bed kids you know like I, yeah. I just feel like there, it's there's a lot of truth to I think the parenting and kids on our show I think I mean most of our staff is our parents now and I yeah. think we draw a lot from things from our own childhood when we were pitching stories and stuff at, in early on at least I've I felt that way yeah I I definitely identify with yeah I don't I don't think I take too much from my kids, but I do identify with and kind of makes me nostalgic that the Belchers are essentially like free range kids, which we were when we were kids. It was a different time. And also we lived in a semi-rural sort of neighborhood in Indiana and there weren't fences between yards and there was like a creek through the backyard. And I'm very glad I don't live there now. I want to live here. But as kids, the, the Belchers are highly unsupervised. And we were, our mom and dad were great, very responsible. But at the time, you just didn't watch your kids like you watch them now. So we would go out in the morning, come home at night. And a lot of that's what the Belchers do with their kids. And so I think like some of like when the kids go out in the woods and find a toilet in an episode that we worked on, that reminded me a lot of my childhood because we would just go out in the woods and we would find random stuff. There was yeah. like this place called the weed forest that we would go into and we, we would constantly say there was a murderer in there, but we went in there like every day. We'd be like, let's go in and just see if we get murdered. I just, I distinctly remember one time you guys found a coconut out in the woods and it was like the most exciting, like we cut it open. It was like probably rotted or something, but yeah. we were just like, what is How it? did like it get coconut? here? Yeah. <laughs> also, we found a cow bone, like a, a giant cow bone in a cornfield near our house. And like for a half a day, we were like, we found a murder. We found a body. This is exciting. And then we showed it to a parent who was like, that is the biggest bone. In the, like, who who did you think died? Like, who, like, a basketball player came out and laid down in the cornfield and died. That would be the only, the biggest basketball player in the world died in our cornfield. So it was not, we did not make a murder discovery. Unless one of our parents was the murderer mm. and was covering it up. Always possible. That seemed, now looking back, that's probably what happened. On Law & Order SUV. Yes. <laughs> this will be one of the murders that we cover <laughs> how, on our show. How old were you when you moved to Southern California? Um, I was 15, which means you were like I seven. Was, 
Se- se- seven, yeah. Mm. Just about to be seven. Mm. Was that yeah. a tough adjustment? Um, it was a tough um, idea that it was going to happen for me. Um, but once we got here, it was like, oh, like Indiana is deep Trump country. Um, our parents were not of a um, Trump country nature. Um, and I don't want to alienate any of your listeners, but I'm not either. Surprise. <laughs> um, huge surprise, I'm sure. Um, but like once we were here and it was so different, there was so much more to do and all that. Like after the shock of losing all your friends mm-hmm. as a teenager goes away, it was actually great to be here. But at first, yeah, it was really like – it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like why did you do this to us? And then it was then it was fun. I don't know what your experience was because you're so much younger. I mean, my <sighs> – I it was I think my my difference is that I really grew up in Southern California and you guys just had like a couple years so I think my yeah. I have like a slightly less rosy view of it just because we we lived in a crazy area with like all the kids are like really rich and like yeah. a couple of the girls in my grade were like Abercrombie models so it was like it was a lot of <laughs> pressure already like right um and I was such an outsider because I had just moved that I knew those forces existed but because I was just like a deeply dorky person who had just moved here it it was like I was insulated from it because right. I didn't grow up with it so I didn't yeah. know any of them I was like oh look at those models Right. They will never be a part of my life because I'll be out of here in two and a half years. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah, so different for you. But um but no, I'm still I still would choose to come here versus like staying in Indiana. I think it would have I mean, you're so it's much more limited there. I mean we it was just a different experience here and I, I think it was good. Yeah. And James Van Orden would like to know. Do you is have this really James Vanderbank? But he's using a different name. Yes, he's he wants the number know. one fan. He's always coming yeah. after us. Am Old I single? Maybe. <laughs> Could I be very quickly? Yes. Do you have a favorite Bob's Burger character? Second question: What Bob's Burger character are you most like in real life? Bob's Burgers. Um. Hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite character. I enjoy writing d- a different dynamic. Like Jean and Linda are fun together. Um, Tina I like because she's different for teenage girls. And I know there are teenage girls out there who um, identify with Tina in a way they haven't gotten to have a teenage girl character who is like them. So I I like that. And then Louise is fun. And Bob, I, it's like it's hard to pick a favorite. And then a Teddy is like everything Teddy does I like. About yeah. I feel If I was going to pick like let's say like we're not choosing the family – if I had a favorite character, I love Gretchen. I Gretchen just makes me laugh. Everything she says, um, she might be like my favorite outside of our family, like not story character we use often. Um, and then I don't know who. I guess I would feel like I'm most like Linda, just like age and like attitude. And yeah, I feel like I strive to be like Linda. Yeah, I would. Linda's like the, yeah, she's so accepting of her children. And anytime I find myself being like really cranky, I'm like, oh, I should be more like Linda Belcher. It's really, (laughs) I aspire to be a cartoon character. (laughs) It's very weird to me to suddenly be identifying at with the parents in what I'm watching as opposed to the kid because I just, had a, a baby very recently. Yeah. I was just watching. I was um, watching. I was at a screening last night. <laughs> Not to brag. Wow. Um, we all bragged a little today. I know. That's. I. You guys gave me permission. Yeah. Yeah. Like, thank you. Um, but anyway, I said I don't know if I'm allowed to say much about the movie, so I won't. But anyway, there's a a, a daughter in the hospital, uh-huh. and suddenly I was seeing it 
like what that would be like if you were the parent as opposed right. to identifying with the kid. Yeah. It was just, just weird. And I'm, it's probably late in life. I'm 104. So it's weird that yeah, I'm suddenly doing that now. Old. But you're still, <laughs> yeah. yeah, younger than our mom was when she had our first, yeah. first kid. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or last, yeah, I guess, last 58. Kid, yeah. So yeah. Um, um, I'm a young at heart, 104 year old. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it is an interesting shift when you, yeah, find yourself relating to the, the parents, the parent more. Um, but it, and, I feel like that's it's fun to write kid stories for that reason to like try to put yourself back in that perspective. Like we did um, a Tina story recently, and she's very upset, and it's like our, we just recorded it. Um, but she says at one point, like all this, all these terrible things happened, and like her life is over, and that's just such a true feeling mm-hmm. when you're in your preteens or teens but just like if something goes wrong at school or if like the boy you like is dating someone else it's just like your whole life is over and it really does feel like that so I think it's fun it to does. like yeah. tap back into that and time is so slow when you're a kid mm-hmm. and yeah. just by the fact that um our oldest sister you know her son is gonna be will he be 15 this year? he'll be 15 I think this year think, yeah. uh, 14 or 15 I can't remember um because <laughs> I can't do math in my head um, how quickly that's gone by for me. And then when I think about how slowly my first 14 or 15 years went by, I'm like, oh, that's the difference. That's why parents and kids can't understand each other. Right. Because time for us is moving so fast. And we're trying to almost like get it to slow down. Or we feel like things just don't matter as much because on to the next very quickly. And for kids, like it act time is actually everything is a is a bigger percentage. Each day is a larger percentage mm-hmm. of their life than it is for us. And so like I feel like that's the fundamental reason we can't understand each other sometimes. Is for us it's like, no big deal. Keep the big picture. Move on to the next thing. And for them it's like, no, this is it. This day will last forever and I will be stuck in this horrible thing forever. Yeah. And so it's like trying to keep that in mind as a parent is a big deal. I think I remember when you'd start the school year Christmas seemed so far so away, far away. Yeah. and now it's like I can't believe that this year is almost halfway over already because right. my brain is still thinking I still feel like it just became 2017 yeah right yeah now it's like already because when you're older too it's like by the time it's you know fall it's like well it's Christmas and then that literally those three months of like between, you know, between October, whatever, it's just like flies by. There's so much to do. You have to like do family obligations and it's just crazy how quickly that goes by. I th- yeah. I think that's one of the reasons it's nice to work on like an animated show. You get to like stop time mm-hmm. and feel like, oh, you get to live with these characters and in this time, like sort of permanently, which is maybe what all of us want to do at certain points of our life. Like, oh, this is good right here. Let's stop. Yeah. Like everything's fine right now. Let's just stop today and then we'll stay here. Like it kind of lets you tap into a little bit of that of just getting to live in the eternal present, which is nice. I think for any of us, everyone should get a job on Bob's Burgers is what I'm saying. Oh, are you offering? Yes, everyone. I'm not authorized. To, we cannot <laughs> hire anyone, but I'm offering everyone a job. We'll find something. Just come and we'll find something for everyone. At one point, didn't your Twitter bio say you can't, not in a position to give anyone a job? Yes, for some reason, I was getting like a deluge at that time of like, my my email address is on the internet and, the, and my Twitter is too. And I think I'd had a few people like, approach me and then when I said like I I I because Lizzie and I can't hire anyone we are not the executive producers of Bob's Burgers and even if you are like 
we we've had the same staff forever. Like we're not really hiring. Like I, um, had I thought a you few, just offered all of us I know, jobs, I know. <laughs> but I did have a few incidents where somebody approached me and I said like, sort of like, well, here's what you could do. I'm sorry. I can't help. And then it was like a bit of a hostile response mm-hmm. to that. Um, one guy, I can't remember what he said. was like, okay, well, I guess I'll look forward to, you know, watching you from where I am. Like, and it was just like his weird, like response to me. I was like, maybe I'm good. Just going to put it in my Twitter bio for a little while. Cause I was getting like, I don't know why, why that particular time. And, and I always try to be friendly and kind of try to explain how the process works and what you have to do first and what you have to do second. Like, as you can hear from like our path was a mess, like mine more so than Lizzie's. Cause I was just out there for longer. It's kind of a mess to get into the industry. And so I did put it in my Twitter bio for a few weeks. And then I was like, Oh, that's, that's, a mean thing to say. I'm going to take it down. But it was because I had felt like I want to help, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Please, please don't think I can because I cannot help. So I do find when people ask for advice, I'm like, how do I do what you do? Um, It's hard to answer, but well, uh, just for me personally, it's like m- my path was also very messy and right. I feel like I lucked mm-hmm. into, I mean, yes. yes, I worked really hard, but I also lucked into so much yeah. that I don't know that someone could recreate that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, as far as writing, I just feel like if that's really what you want to do, you just have to write things and yes. try to get people to read that in a non, you know, confrontational <laughs> way, but yeah. um, re- just keep working on stuff and just, I mean, there's really no... There's no easy path to it. Some people get writer's assistant jobs, but sometimes they don't pan out into an actual staff yeah. position. And sometimes you were never a writer's assistant and you, you know, got where we're working somewhere else, working at a production company. And, you know, there's so many different ways. So I think it's just you have to really want to do it and just hope that you can find a path that works for you. Yeah. And if if you have a script that I'd, we're turning this into the the writer's panel. All of a sudden, That's okay. But yeah. <laughs> that like when, if you have a spec or something that people just aren't responding to, instead of holding on to this idea that like, oh, people just don't get me yet. That one already exists. You still have it. You can still send it out, but go ahead and write another one because it is like, I wouldn't have predicted the one that Lizzie and I wrote would be the one. And that one kept get sent, getting sent around and kept sort of having dividends for us. But when we were writing it, I don't think we were like, this is the key that will unlock the door to Hollywood. Like, <laughs> So I think you have to just keep going. Even now we do a ton of free work. We go out and pitch movies that we don't get. Um, we write pilots every year that are not made. Um, that's not so much free work as it is just like, it's a massive time investment. Right. And every year we have to just but press the reset be... button and go, okay, well it didn't go. Like yeah. press the reset button. Don't get bitter. Don't get mad. And that's easy for us because we already have jobs. But I do think we had that attitude before as well is like, don't let hostility and anger creep into your experience. Yeah. Let or Find a way be, to have outside interest. Too. Just don't be too precious too about everything mm-hmm. that just because you really love something. I mean, that's great. And if you really think that something should happen with it, you can always try to like put it together yourself. And, you know, I just think there's paths if you really believe in something that you wrote and you want to make it happen. There's, you know, but you can't expect everyone to love it as much as you do. And you just got to move yeah. on. Yeah. So... Wow. Thanks for joining the panel. <laughs> yeah, writer's yeah. panel. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? 
first, though. You guys, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. It's sort of like Kickstarter. You can support artists or podcasters on an ongoing monthly basis, and there's different reward levels, so you can get extra bonus episodes every month. Um, <clears throat> there's a level where you have access to an exclusive video live stream. You can also just get an MP3 of me clearing my throat for 45 minutes. I would get that. Would you? It'd yeah. be a nice You'd, ringtone. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a long ringtone. The That's person right. would hung up by the time you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still, we should actually make this, Jeff. Uh, if also, you made that, that actually is it's like your to- your phone just trying to get your attention. <laughs> yeah, it's nicely. very polite. Excuse, and you could maybe escalate it to like, excuse me, excuse me. Like right. as it went. Hello. I'm so, I don't know how to make ringtones, I'm but if so you could sorry. do that, you I'm should do it. I'm so sorry to bother you. Excuse me. You have a, mes- a message? Okay, okay. I do have ringtones for sale. Maybe we should make that one available. <clears throat> I love it. I'm going to get it if you do it, so do it. Because I There's, want it. So patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. It's really fun. There's also a level where you get merchandise in the mail. And then in terms of the ringtones, go to allisonrosen.com slash store. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. Um, and at the end, we'll do official plugs, and you guys can let everyone know where to go for you. And also, they should watch Bob's Burgers. And I'm sure that it's available on Amazon, is it? Um, right now, I think there's a couple of... It's on um, Hulu. Yep, you can watch sure. it on Google Play, I think. Right? Um, I do think it's on Amazon, a couple of seasons. Yeah, and then there's, yeah, there's, it, it just, it was on Netflix till recently, so there's a whole thing going on with that. But I think there will be a new home for it soon, okay. streaming-wise. Perfect. So Just Me or Everyone is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And then we weigh in. Oro Burroughs says, if I detect a verbal crutch in a conversation with someone, I can't stop anticipating it and lose focus on the content. Yes. Yeah, like somebody repeating a word over and over again? Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think about it a lot, too. And I will talk about it afterwards with my spouse. Yeah, I think I would agree. Yes, I think I would notice there's certain things that... I'm trying to think of an example because I know that I also notice this. You know what I I really notice is when someone close to me suddenly starts using a new word. Sure. It's like, who have you been hanging out with that pronounces measure, major? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an acceptable pronunciation. It's just not my sister's. I think... You can say major? I think... That's like a joke. My sister went through a major phase. Uh-oh. I mean, back when she was in high school, but I'm like, this is not you. Yeah, no. That's literally a thing at Bob's for a while. We were singing that song from Rent, but pronouncing how do you measure oh, your how major. Do you measure. Yeah. <laughs> your I don't major. know why, uh, how this started, why it's funny, except that the words mispronounced. Maybe it's yeah. not an accept. You don't, you never hear like, what are your measurements? Or maybe no. you would. Is I it would Canadian? I think that was hilarious if someone asked me that. Yeah. I love it. I don't know. Now it now it's really sticking out to me like a sore thumb. Thumb. Thrum. 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 <laughs> oh, there no, you that's go. Thing. There, that's my thing. Alyssa Westring says, see hunched old person. Swear to have better posture. Stand up straight for 30 seconds before forgetting all about it. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much as long as I can focus on posture as well. Yeah, I have, I've given up. I've given up giving up coffee and I've given up on my posture. And I feel free. I feel free as a fucking bird. <laughs> and a twisted up gnarled old caffeinated bird. I'm living my life now. How long were you trying to give up coffee and oh, why? I, I tried on and off. I don't know. For some reason, I thought I should. 
the only time I successfully gave it up was like when I was first breastfeeding. And then it just very quickly became like, well, I can have some. Mm -hmm. And then I became like, well, I can have a lot. And then it was like, oh, my kid's caffeinated. I don't give a (laughs) fuck. Like, just great. I'm just a great person. Lizzie? Have narrowed old person? um, Stand up? Or coffee? Any of them? Coffee. I, I love coffee. I've never tried to give it up. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, I know. Stupid. It's like you only get so many things in life after mm-hmm. like a certain age. So it's like coffee, like maybe two glasses of wine, um, the real house strangers when you walk by. Yeah. Like you only get like <laughs> I feel like coffee coffee's like your morning time thing that like is exciting. Yeah. You know? No, don't so give it up. Don't That's what I'm saying. That, don't be me. Yeah. Then what do you have? Yeah, nothing. You just have absolutely <laughs> nothing. You just have life and like ugh. Ugh. life is very horrible. Yeah. And then you have lunch. You do yeah. have lunch. You have a life and then you have lunch. So you, know. you have major and the, the yeah. jollies one gets what from Miss Major. That's a new life. thing for yeah, that's <laughs> a nice new thing for all of us. Sooner Magic says, Someone responds interesting to my story. I think they really want to say I couldn't care less about what you just said. Have I done this one already or have I just thought about it? This is a thing that you were talking about. I don't know if it would I don't know if it was a JMO, but I've noticed that when someone says something interesting on the podcast, though this is my own verbal crutch. I've heard it's distracted me how many times I hear myself saying, That's so interesting. But I really mean it. And I'm having intense deja vu, which means either something's wrong in my brain or I have talked about this, just like I just said. Oh well. I think I- it goes either way i think for me like i feel like you either say interest you think something's really interesting and sometimes i feel like you you're absolutely meaning it or you're definitely not mean there's no middle ground like if but i i don't know interesting thank you (laughs) i know which one that was yeah and i'm glad when i don't don't want to hear here's what i don't want to hear there's some good stuff in here Mm. That's what I fucking. I'm like, why don't you just fucking slap me in the face with your penis? Like, just that you don't mean. There's some good stuff in here. Is like nothing in here is any good. Like I can't even make a blanket statement. I'm like, there was one good thing in this whole piece of trash. I hate it so much. I don't want to hear it. That's code for this is mostly garbage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's the polite. Yeah. That, yeah. I hate it. You know what I don't like? Um, after doing any sort of television, anything, when someone would say, "Good job," I would think that actually meant good job however after having been on another show where people who were truly awful on the show someone would say and sometimes it was me who would say to them good job i realized well that's very very empty if you suspect you didn't do well it's there's a good chance you didn't do well you, that's pro- you probably do have usually a good sense of whether you did well or not but good job could mean good job i say it to my children i usually mean it but it's also like good job picking up that toy from the floor it wasn't that hard to begin with. But I with. guess I don't know. you just have to make a decision because you have to either be the person that doesn't say anything and then is that terrible or is it better just to say good job but not totally mean it? Yeah, I think it's just in television. Maybe not if you're on the cast or something, but if it's just an appearance, for the most part, no one's going to pull you aside afterwards and let you know that you, you sucked as much as you thought you did. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> That'd be a bad There's no strategy. benefit. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay. going to pull us aside after this podcast? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm going to say, I feel oh, like no, you're going to say good, good job. job. You guys did great. Oh, no. Good job. Oh, I feel like no. there was a lot of good stuff in Yeah, here. there's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> dun, dun, would you prefer I just hit you in the face with my penis? Oh, God. Yeah, maybe. Wendy would. I don't know. I'm on the fence. God. Can I see your penis so before I decide? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I don't know. It I'll seems have fair. someone send yeah. photos. Thank Lee you. Brun says, this is a very specific one, hate when trying to spread peanut butter on my banana and the banana <laughs> keeps, <laughs> keeps objecting. Keeps breaking off. Oh, breaking off. <laughs> I was so curious where that was going. <sighs> I I'm not often That's trying to spread peanut butter on a banana. Him. I've yeah. done it a few times. I would say the issue is that the banana is slippery. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't stay on. <laughs> Can we do a follow-up with him? Ask him if he's pre-oiling his banana. Because if he's <laughs> dipping his banana in oil and then trying to put peanut butter on it, first of all, like why? Yeah. You're, you're contaminating your thing of oil, your banana dip in oil. <laughs> And then make it his livers. But, yeah. I think he's just pushing too hard. Just, <laughs> just easy. Maybe, you know what he should do? Mm-hmm. This is a real tip. Oh, Put shit. the peanut butter in a squeezy thing. Then oh, just yeah. squeeze it right oh, on. Interesting. Lizzie, you should start a craft show right after this. A craft podcast. I don't know. It's peanut butter. And, yeah, I guess that's a craft. But <laughs> this feels crafty. No, it's not. But... <laughs> The question was, is peanut butter a craft? <laughs> That's not a real question. Oh, um, God, make me this cough. is perfect. I think the problem might be where he's holding the banana. Because if you're holding it at the base and then you put peanut butter on the top, then you're going to get breakage. Whereas if you're holding it right below where you're putting peanut butter on... <laughs> Don't you think he's got it on a plate? This is very. Oh, yeah. While they, are, are you holding bananas while you put peanut butter on them? I look. I've I've never done this. Doing? That's how I do it. <laughs> really? You yeah. hold, hold the banana. Yeah. So I'll hold it in the peel. Yeah, and I'll be standing there. Can't sit down. Apparently, you stand there, <laughs> and I'll peel it down a little bit, and then put a little bit of peanut butter on it, and then reload oh, it as I like go. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. I, like I don't good. know. I would I put it on a plate. I just is he, he's got to be more patient. Yeah, this maybe the not problem is not the banana. You know, it's not what a mean? quick right, snack. It's the user. Yeah, yeah. Pamela Jill Gross says, "Get tickled when I am number sixty nine to like or post something." Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, anytime the word sixty nine is in play, if you don't comment on it, you're just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like that's a yeah. that's a gift from the universe. Anytime a sixty nine mm-hmm. randomly comes up, you have to say like sixty nine. Yeah, or just like nudge someone that you're with and be like, "Hey." <laughs> oh yeah, I used to love when Not my in a sexy way. When just my like, I don't do it as much now, but when my um, step counter shows me that my heart rate is 69, I'll nudge someone near me, <laughs> show them my step <laughs> that my heart rate is 69. <laughs> with less of, I don't. Uh, I did that to a coworker once who I don't think like he was like, "Why are you showing me your heart rate?" I'm like 69. <laughs> and lastly, Goku says, "Ever since your pinworms episode." I'll explain. My butthole has been itching. Um, Are you guys aware of pinworms? Yes. yes. I was blissfully unaware until I was watching that series Love on Netflix. Oh. And have you watched that? I have not. There's but an episode. I know what are. There's an episode where one of the characters who doesn't get have kids gets tired of hearing people talk about pinworms as if it's a thing everyone knows. So I googled it. Now I can't get it out of my head. Anytime my butt itches, I'm very concerned. I wish I didn't have a child. That's yes. Our boss, uh, who created Bob's Burgers, Lauren Bouchard, was talking about it one day because I think kids at his kids' school had it or something. But that is true. I every time my butt has been itchy since then, I'm like, could be. 
Yeah. I reassured myself with like, it must be just a horrendous, intense itch, not That's a mild I, itch. Right. Like, cause, but I don't know. Because you can also be symptomless. I've done too much You reading. can be mm. symptomless for yeah. pinworms? So I your guess. butt could not even itch. Just in girls, pinworms they, down there having a good time and you don't even know. In girls, they can crawl up your... Your lady parts. And then what do they do? Does, then you get an infection or something. Oh, okay. I oh, suspect like that's rare. Spring break situation down there for them. It really They're is. They're having a good yeah. time crawling yeah. all around and you don't even know. I don't like them, guys. I. It's not. How did I never yeah. know? I was just worried about lice as a child, or my right. mom was. When did pinworms have a renaissance? I don't know. But I don't. Yeah. Now don't I'm going to think about it's it. It's not going to. It doesn't haunt me. It's more just like if. If it's well, then they're harmless, I think I about think. it. Right. But it's still gross. Also, I'm just one of those people where it's like, eh, this will, if it gets worse, I'll figure it out. Like with almost everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, eh, it seems yeah. okay right Whereas now. Whereas I'm always delighted to find something I'm not anxious about because I'm anxious about almost everything. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I'm that you've talked about pinworms and I don't feel anxious about it, I feel like this is a great day for me. Because like anytime anybody tells me the anxiety they have that I don't have, I'm like, that's great. I don't have that one. I'm not going to get it. Like, I oh, feel really good. excited because to know that I don't have this particular anxiety, even though I have a lot of other ones. And you're, and you're not tempted to get it just from hearing me no, talk I about it? No, I can always tell the minute someone mentions something whether, I, whether I'm going to get that anxiety. Like, oh, it, it's like what's the last one you caught? Um, God, I don't know. Um, well, I have al- the allergies. I like literally have been to the doctor like three or four times being like, what is wrong with me? And they're like, allergies they're like no but really Hmm. they're like allergies and then i'll just spiral about it again until i get really sick again then i'll go back in and be like give me something else but really they just like give me different medicines or like inhalers or whatever Mm -hmm. to try to fight it right but that's my that's my most recent obsession it keeps me from like thinking about anything or accomplishing anything real so it's fun you should get some get some anxieties i think i I have the pinworm one yeah right and lizzie you're just Blissfully free of anxiety? Oh, God, no. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I mean, I have, I feel like a normal amount of like medical just anxiety in general. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, but that's pretty normal. But then, yeah, flying I picked up. Mm. I was always good at flying and then, and then I'm now I'm not. So I just, I just drink a lot when I fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's a really cool way to handle it. But I'm, I feel like I'm like crossing that one a little bit, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I have more. It's maybe I'm, my brain is blocking them out right now. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like now that I have little kids, I always have to strike that right balance on the plane of like how many drinks <laughs> can I have without being a dirt bag? Mm-hmm. And right. then like That's if a flight thinking. attendant gives me a weird look, I just want to be like, fucking come at me, ma'am. Come at me. Say something to me right now. Because I would never get drunk enough to be irresponsible on a plane. You feel like they're like, really giving you a weird look? No, of course not. That's my other anxiety oh. is that but two glasses of Chardonnay on a plane means the flight attendant is going to have me arrested at the <laughs> gate or something. Like, of oh, course yeah. not. You got it's go. fine. I'm so. Yeah. When I flew like internationally recently, I had like probably like a whole bottle of wine before I even got on the plane. So that yeah. was... This is very great. fun. Very fun. Super responsible. Although, you know, who knows? You're not flying the plane. And if the shit goes down, you're maybe just glad you had that wine. But you maybe that's reason to not drink in case you need to fly the plane. That's where my brain that's, would be. Uh, I read an article yeah. about a lady who flies all the time and she said she never has more than one drink. And I was like, well, also, that's just no fun. 
Yeah. So I also don't know how to fly a plane. Right. But in that moment, maybe I would learn. I've had a lot of discussions with myself about whether I'm smart enough to learn to fly a plane while being told instructions through a headset like these. Oh. Like I'll picture like, okay, could I do it? Usually I come down on the side of no. Who's telling you how to fly it? The tower. Oh, okay. Yeah, the tower. Wait, you don't Somehow, think... I think you... I've been selected as the smartest person on the plane mm-hmm. with the most aptitude for flying this plane. And then I talked to myself about whether or not I could follow the directions. I don't think I could. I'm not good under pressure. I can barely, like... If I'm driving and then, like, my fiance is telling me, like, how to go... Like, I'm terrible and then I just, like, lash out because I, like, get too stressed. That's one of my anxieties. It's, like, dri- like not knowing where I'm going when mm-hmm. I'm driving and then relying on someone else to tell me. It's it's too much. It's too many things. Could yeah. you? This happened on Grey's Anatomy recently. I haven't been watching lately, but um, during the having a newborn at home, you're up at weird hours and watching stuff that you don't normally watch. Sure, at least yes. I was. So I so I was like, oh, this is still on, and it sucked me right back in. Could you cut off a loved one's limb? If you had to, with someone telling you how to do it in in your earpiece, if like they were trapped in a tunnel or something. Yes. You think you could? Yeah. I mean, maybe secretly, like deep down inside. You want I'm, to. Uh, yeah. Because the minute you said it, I was like, mm-hmm. It's like, so Lizzie, <laughs> which one of those little armies don't you want? <laughs> get, get over here. Get out I that am not knife. going to go hiking with you Are you anymore. trapped? I'm not. I'm going to get Lizzie trapped somewhere later today and just <laughs> whack off a limb. No, I think I could do that because that probably doesn't have as many like beeping lights and beeping lights. That's what I say. <laughs> Flashing lights, beeping sounds. Like somebody going, climb, climb. That's what airplanes do. That's, that would yeah. be, yeah, less pressure. You could do it. You could cut off my leg. I would trust you. Like in those situations, yeah. I get like that I like could... super strength, right? <laughs> Not that you need that, but just yeah, adrenaline. adrenaline. I could fly a plane before cutting off someone's limb, I think. But I've got a problem. I'm squeamish. not in the- Yes, I'm yeah. Allison's not going to cut off her limbs. Well, Maybe, but I'm hoping something would come over me. Yeah. I just know that when I went to take my sister to get her ears pierced, I couldn't handle it. Really? I mean, wait, how uh, old were you guys? I think I was, was like last week, right? Yeah. She's <laughs> like 35. <laughs> I was 104 and she was 100. She's four years younger than I am. Um, let's see. I was 12 or 13 or 14, probably. Yeah. Or I forget yeah. how old she was when she got her ears pierced. I know she got to get them pierced younger than I was when I got my ears pierced. Right. Yep. But good to be the baby yeah <laughs> yeah i still probably don't have permission to get my beard <laughs> there's probably things that have happened more recently but i'm just saying in general i'm not good with that stuff and mm. i worry with a baby now what if i don't know you know like the what if i had to do a tracheotomy or tracheostomy i don't practice <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you get good at it no don't practice wait until the real situation occurs and then maybe we Just took wait. this um, CPR and infant safety class before he was born. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. I'm yeah. now, it taught, teaches you to be afraid of everything. Yeah. And now I am. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, I, th- I think I took that same class. Yeah, it's horrifying. The, the, where there's the bins of plastic babies. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of like weird imagery involved in that class. And then we also watched like a VHS tape of a like mm-hmm. a natural birth. Oh gosh! And, Why and like and where because, where was that set? By the way, because it's like a suburb, unlike any that are in this country. I don't know. It, it seemed like it was probably what like a Scientology film looks like. Like it did not. <laughs> none of the people were acting normally. Nothing right. in it was normal. And then none of it applied to me because I was just like, give me drugs in my back. 
and make this feeling go away. <laughs> so like it didn't matter that I watched that video. Yeah. None of it. The walking, the bouncing, nothing. I laid no, I there, think, had some drugs and popped a baby out. I think all those classes are just to allay the anxiety at that point because then you don't really apply anything you learn. Right. No, not a single thing. Yeah. Wendy and Lizzie. I have not seen them, but yeah, oh, I will you should. report back. Yeah. It was so much fun having you guys on the show. Thank you for Thank having you so much. for having us. On. Thank you. Tell the listeners uh, where to find you online and plug whatever you would like to plug. Um, watch Bob's Burgers. It's on Fox Sunday nights. Um, and you can find me at, at Lizzie Molino on Twitter. Yep. And I'm at Wendy Molino on Twitter. And I don't think I have anything else to plug yeah that's but you wrote it. a book oh let's not talk about that okay all right <laughs> i'll link get to it a, in the get episode like a better book get a good book like um, i liked your book get a like um i don't know like probably Gone with the wind yeah or like gravity's mm. rainbow that's supposed to be i mean what a challenge but good for you you know get that <laughs> thomas pynchon he's doing it <laughs> get crying of lot 49 because you'll get you might you'll probably get through that you'll one. get through that one that is true yeah yeah, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Jeff, where do we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Sam Rosen is your new best friend.